And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11, from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Carfino. And at small forward, number 6, standing well, sometimes because he prefers to sit. Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. All right, Steve, you're, you're ready to get into it? I'm ready to roll. Welcome back to Inside Slam. This is Evan Goldback, our first episode from self-isolation. I can't believe that we're doing this. Who knew 2020? we would be actually doing this. But my main man, Steve. Steve, uh, mate, you're looking like self-ISO is treating you well, brother. <laughs> well, I got a little routine. You know, I'm allowed to go on a walk, so I go on a walk every morning. Um, you know, as, as it's no secret that my partner is a reason why um, I look healthy and, and trim. So I, in isolation, I have no choice. I can't really cheat and go get a burrito or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking and feeling well. Uh, don't you feel like everyone's just turned into Forrest Gump? Like how much walking I'm doing, I'm finding parts of Sydney that I never knew existed before. I'm finding little alleyways. I'm finding coastal walks. Like I've literally turned into Forrest Gump without the beard because I can't grow a beard like you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I look like the Frito Bandito if I try and grow a mustache or something. How about all the dogs? They look so happy. Oh my God, they're getting all these walks. They go on three walks a day. Every person in the house is taking them for a walk. Dogs look happy. But, you know, what I am seeing are a lot of families out there and a lot of families spending time with one another. They're taking advantage of that. Uh, you know, fathers out there throwing the, the ball around with their, you know, two kids. The kids look happy. The dad looks doesn't look so stressed. I'm sure that, you know, the isolation has brought on a lot of difficulties. But, you know, what you're seeing what I'm seeing is a lot of people getting their family unit together. So I'm sure there's some good things coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. The human connection part is, is definitely something I think that we, you know, we can take out of this and obviously not taking things for granted, uh, you know, moving forward because, you know, who knew how quickly life could change. Um, but yeah, we just got to take the little things for granted moving forward. But one thing that we, uh, we always used to take for granted was sports and we haven't yeah. had sport in, almost a month now the world has been craving sport and uh well i mean besides i mean there's esports there's some horse racing uh but you know no basketball and you know no no team sports really but thank goodness they brought this jordan documentary oh my goodness wow like the last dance just obviously for those that don't know the last dance the jordan 97 98 bulls documentary was released yesterday worldwide and all I can say is, wow, like two episodes in and I just want to see every single episode right here, right now. For me, it's already the best sports documentary ever. So much to talk about uh, in those two episodes. But Steve, I'm guessing you're as excited as I am. Oh, I mean, I really am. I mean, the thing about those documentaries and 30 for 30, you know, ESPN documentaries are just every single one of them. You know, I watched the Tanya Harding one, you know, where she... Um, and Nancy Kerrigan. I mean, I'm not even interested in ice skating, but those documentaries are done so well. Um, my favorite before this one, and I'd have to say this is going to be my favorite. I haven't even completed the series, but um, my favorite one was 
was uh, the best that never was about Marcus Dupree, uh, the football player that went to Oklahoma and ended up not hitting it big uh, and the reasons why. And so, you know, it's those behind the scenes uh, bits of information that you don't know, you know, like I'm, I'm sure that we're going to talk about this thing at length. I can't, I can't wait to get into it, but you know, Scotty Pippen, I didn't, I didn't understand the magnitude of, you know, how unfairly he felt that he was treated, the circumstances of, of um, you know, his long-term contract, why he was the 122nd best paid player uh, in the NBA when he was the second best player in the league. Um, it was just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then just those first two episodes, there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, we can talk about, uh, well, let's start back right at the beginning because, and I love how um, ESPN has done that. They, you know, they talk about 97, 98, and then they bounce back to the 80s and they, they show us that timeline. Basketball in the 80s was completely different today. You played, obviously, um, you know, in that era. You were drafted in that era. Um, you know, I, I know you had the opportunity, to, you know, to play against Jordan before college, but that 80s scene, basketball was completely different. And obviously, Magic, it was Magic and Bird's league, but Magic and Bird took it to another level. Um, but, you know, talk about, you know, Dean Smith, obviously, he was probably the perfect, He, I mean, everything that Jordan had or did in his career uh, really helped him along the way. And it looks like Dean Smith was that that perfect coach for him in, in college, winning that NCAA championship. I think that, you know, Michael Jordan's career, it was like a perfect storm of things being timed at the the perfect place and time for him. You know, satellite TV comes in when, um, Michael Jordan comes into the league basically, or comes into college, you know, then it was perfect timing for <laughs> Nike and probably the rest of the world as they invested in one player, this exciting young athletic player coming out of North Carolina. He's the third pick, you know, are you crazy? You know, because everybody in the past, shoe companies tried to get the best players, you know, Converse had Magic Johnson, had Larry Bird, had Isaiah Thomas. They had the best players, you know, they held, you know, the best players in the league under Converse, Dr. J, you know, wore Converse. And then Nike, this upstart company, decides to go with this third round draft pick and throw all of their marbles into his basket. And then, you know, he's, you know, Linsanity, but, you know, 10 times better. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was, you could just put Linsanity and Michael Jordan in the same sentence. I don't think that would have ever happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, China's big. So anyway, <laughs> but, um, you know, and then he goes into the NBA and he takes a franchise that was just dead um, in a city that just had no respect for basketball. And he takes it to, um, you know, the best ticket in town. And then they get Scottie Pippen and they get Horace Grant and they make some great moves in the front office to put the players, the right players around him, uh, get Bill Cartwright from New York. And all of a sudden, you know, they've got a championship caliber team. Well, the thing is, Steve, you're, I mean, you were a young man uh, in the 80s. I know you were drafted as well. I, I, was, I grew up with the, with the 1990s Bulls being the best team in the world. But obviously, it's almost like looking at, uh, obviously, we know what's already happened. We know the end of the story type thing. But when it was 1984, and they touch upon this in the, in the documentary, Chicago was a football town. It was the Bears. Or was the White Sox and the Cubs and the Bulls stunk? It would it, it would be like us watching the Charlotte Hornets now, or, or you know, or the New Orleans Pelicans now, or whatever it may be, not knowing what happens in the future. 
And isn't it amazing that literally in the space of a year, one guy has, has obviously people knew about him from hitting that game winner in the NCAA championship against Georgetown. He gets drafted by the Bulls. And yeah, I mean, were, were the Bulls that bad? Did that no? Because obviously you knew about, um, you know, it was all, was it all about the Celtics and Lakers then? Did any, anyone care about any other team? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said how Chicago was perceived in the NBA. You know, they were like a team that was famous for how many drugs they would take when they go on the road, you know, and the NBA was like that, you know, um, uh, David Stern really cleaned the league up. I mean, with the drug testing and just really had, that was the first thing he had to do. He really had to clean the league up, uh, getting magic and Larry, you know, that was, you know, just one of those perfect timing things where, um, you know, they, and also the teams that they played for one was on the East coast. One was on the West coast. One was a white guy. One was a black guy. And then Chicago drafts Michael Jordan right in the middle of the country in Chicago in the Midwest. So um, it was like a perfect scene that was set up. Um, you had this, this, this great all around player in Larry Bird. And, uh, you know, and when those guys played against each other for the first time, they both went back to their friends. I'm sure we saw it in one of the documentaries of 30 for 30, um, went back to their friends that I just saw the best player I've ever seen. You know, and then they're talking about Michael Jordan, especially after that 63-point game in the playoffs. They're like, he's the best player in the league. You know, like they may have been trying to say, because they still, you know, saw themselves as the best players in the league. He's the most talented player in the league, they would say. Um, you know, and then they'd be like, oh, you know, you haven't won yet. They'd be trying to throw these obstacles. But I thought what was interesting was James Worthy being a teammate Michael Jordan's in North Carolina saying that, um, you know, here's this kid, you know, we've just had this two and a half hour practice and I'm exhausted. And then he wants to play me one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I play one-on-one. -on -one. I was better than him for like a week. I mean, his ability to, to compete and get better and be the best. Um, you know, he goes from his freshman year where he hits the shot to beat Georgetown to win the national championship. And then he comes back as a sophomore and he's the ACC player of the year, and he's the best player in college basketball as a sophomore. I mean, he just got better like that with every obstacle that was thrown at him. He just would take it to an unbelievable level as far as improving from one year to the next. Oh, you can't shoot. He starts knocking his shots down. He hit six threes in the first half against Portland. Oh, yeah, but can you defend? Oh, you think I can't defend? He's the NBA defensive player of the year the next year. Some poor journalist may have criticized him that incent that gave him the incentive to be the best player on defense in the NBA while he had the scoring title. That's the type of guy we're talking about. And, and you hit the nail right on the head when, uh, with all those things and what I think one word collectively it's mentality. And that's for me why Jordan is the goat. It's this mentality and you see it from such a young age from taking down James Worthy, he may have been better at the time, and then bang, within a week, Jordan's better. From ta from taking that shot in the big moment, I mean, I didn't know it was sixty thousand plus people in that NCAA game. That would have been insane. Oh yeah, do you remember when he said, "Yeah, you know, there were a lot of people there. It was a big game, um, you know, but I didn't really have time to be nervous." I mean, this is an eighteen-year-old kid. I get nervous when I'm on the green in two and I have a birdie putt. I get nervous. My my nerves affect my putt. When I'm putting when I'm putting for birdie and when I'm putting for bogey, those are those are two completely different things. I mean, this is this guy 
You know, and I think that Bobby Knight, when he said, when he's talking about that team in 84, and that team um, in 1984 for the Olympics, the USA team, that people don't know, but they were practice, their practice games were against pros. They'd go play against the pros that were living in Chicago, or they go play against pros. They're playing against these pros all around the country. They were wiping them with the floor. It didn't matter what pros they put on the team. That team right there with Ewing and Wayman Tisdale and Michael Jordan and Chris Mullen, you know, that team right there, they were wiping the floor with professional teams. Wow. And, and Michael Jordan was just carving anybody who got up in his, you know, in his way. So then he goes into the NBA. He's like, I've been destroying these guys all summer. Yeah. So he goes in as a rookie and turns maybe the worst team in the league. He gets them into the playoffs somehow. Oh, it's just incredible. And that's a really, you know, these little mental things that you, we see throughout the documentary. Like, you're imagine being an 18-year-old rookie. You go into an apartment, uh, you know, you're in a hotel, and these guys are older than you, and, you know, they're trying to haze you as a rookie. You walk in, and there's, there's booze, there's women, there's drugs. I would say nine out of ten rookies are like, well, I, if I want to be accepted by the team, you know, I'm probably going to go into that room, right? And Jordan's mentality is like so single mind focused. He's like, no, nah, that's not for me. And then becomes the leader of that team. And then the second, what I, I, t- I totally forgot that the second year in the league, the second year, he gets injured, right? And it's a pretty serious injury, and he wants to come back. And obviously, we see the. This is when the the conflict with the owners um, starts with Brian Storff and Jerry Krause. But the fact that he, he came back from injury, gets them to the playoffs when Chicago didn't want to make the playoffs because obviously they wanted that draft pick. He's like, no, I play to win. Every single game I play to win. Dean Smith says that, uh, sorry, I think um, uh, Coach K. Was it Coach K? Uh, I think it was Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight is like he doesn't have that off, that off, that off switch. Oh and no 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 no! It was um it was oh it was this Dean Smith's Roy. assistant who, Roy. Roy? Yeah, yeah yeah um Roy know, Roy Williams Roy yeah. Williams who was the coach of North Carolina now yeah yeah he said he doesn't have an on off switch and then so he he gets sixty three points against the Boston Celtics with four Hall of Fames in a year that he's come back from injury. I mean, that is insane. Like, And it hasn't been beaten since. And, um, you know, it's just little things I've forgotten about. The court the court was smaller. I mean, like, you have to be more athletic in a smaller court. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, do you know when the actual um, the court size changed? Because imagine Jordan in today's league with the amount of room that they have. The guy's going to score every 45. You know when you watch, um, you watch highlights, um, you know, I, I know that they would swing the ball and Michael Jordan would be like wide open. The defenses aren't, you know, what they are now. People say, oh, people don't play defense now. And you, that, actually, you say that, you know, like they played defense in the 90s. And, you know, they, they were just a lot of thugs in the league in the 90s. There was harder fouls in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. that's true. But there are teams are coached better. They're better defensive players. They have five guys on the court that can move. Back then, I thought what was um, you'll have to make, you have to remind me if I get off track here because I'm so excited about talking about the things that we talk about. But how about the mentality of the league back then? You built your team around a center, a great center. 
You know, it was in the 84 draft. They picked um, Akeem Olajuwon first, and everybody was like, no one would disagree with the fact that you build your team around a center. And then when they even spoke to the coach, they said, you know, what do you think about Michael Jordan? He's a great player. You know, you guys did very well in the draft. He said, well, he's not seven foot, but, you know, we're really happy with him. And then people would say, you know, Mark Eden, he said, you know, you don't build your team around a guard. You know, you build your team, you know, from the middle out. Every, that was the NBA's mentality back then. You know, so here's a guy who comes in and proves that you can win with an unstoppable, you know, guard that plays with passion and intensity and athleticism and, you know, sheer highlights every game. I mean, it was just it was incredible. I don't even remember what we were talking about then. The best the best guys before him, you know, Bill Russell, Walt Chamberlain. I mean, Julius Irving, he's 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 uh, he was a small forward, I believe. He's you know, he's a big guy. Um, and then it kind of changed. Obviously, Magic, six nine point, uh, you know, point guard. So a little bit different. Jordan's only six six. Uh, Larry Bird six seven. So this is a guy that's six six. That's literally changed the league. Um, but I mean, there's like I said, there's so much to dissect about this. I'm I'm really taking. I'm really excited about the me- mentality part. Even when they went to Paris. And I, I don't know who, who was on the bench. He's like, oh, I got my first championship. And Jordan just goes, and just, he just gives him that look like, son, you won nothing. How about what? I, I don't, you know, like, I can't remember who said what in the, in the documentary, but um, when they were playing in Paris and Scotty wasn't there um, because of the injury, he decided, you know, not to, not to have surgery until – you know, the last possible minute um, because he was upset about his his contract um, being locked into as a bad contract. Um, and then Dennis Rodman wasn't there. He was disputing over a contract. So they had two star players that were out. And um, I can't remember who said it, but they were like, Michael treated it like these people from Paris, this might be the only time they get to watch me play. You know, and he didn't say that, but that – they the guy was quoted as saying that looked like that was his mentality he gave them every night he gave them michael jordan 100 percent michael jordan it's an exhibition game but like 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 he said in that situation when chicago wanted him to lose and he he doesn't have it in him he plays to win he plays hard doesn't matter who his opponent is which is extremely tough i'm sure that we have all been in a competitive situation playing with some schlep and then you play down to their level you know where he has the ability to play at a high level, no matter who his opponent is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, and like I said, it, it, that comes down to the mentality. The guy just refused to lose. And if he didn't want to get on his level in terms of intensity at practice, he would chew your ass out. And we've, I think we've only just seen a glimpse of it. I think we're going to see a lot more in the later episodes. But let's talk about Pippen for a second. Oh, my goodness. I hope you talk about some of the things I want to talk about, because I was just on the phone with one of my boys. Um, I give him a little shout out. What's up, Dom Finlay? And um, anytime anything great comes on or some type of opinion comes on, you know, my phone rings and we're having a chat. So um, that would have been good if we could have got him on this thing because he's got plenty to say. But you know what? This is our show. So anyway, yeah, give me Scotty Pippen because this is something that this was something I wanted really to talk about. So fire away. And just 
Okay. Well, the fact, let's give, uh, and we'll, this is probably something for the next pod because obviously we only got 30 minutes today, but um, Jerry Krause did a great job getting Pippen in the first place. But let's talk, make Pippen went from uh, an average high school player, then he grows overnight, becomes his sensation at 6'9". And then the fact that he was so underpaid, I didn't. nobody knew this. It was crazy. But the the fact he was like an average high school player, small, he was a small guard, grows yeah. up, I turns into like this six, nine guy that can do everything. <laughs> and he comes, he goes onto the bulls. Like, and the, you know, he didn't even know that he'd been traded to the bulls. At, originally he was going to be, could have been at Seattle. Imagine that team. If you had Scotty Pippen, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, what that could have turned into. I mean, there's so many rabbit holes we can go down, but man, that guy was underpaid. Uh, and and the fact that the the owners didn't renegotiate for me is just crazy. Oh, I mean Michael Jordan, but you know what didn't come out in that was Michael Jordan had a crappy contract too. You know he went for a long term contract. He was on eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars when Stacy King was had signed for millions. So Stacy King, imagine you're Michael Jordan. You look down the bench and Stacy King is making more than you. So both of those guys went for long term contracts, mm-hmm. and you know they went for the security, like. Um, but what I was talking, you know, to my to my buddy Dom about was like, you know, how about Scotty's family? You know, he's like one of 11 kids. So he felt like he, you know, his dad had a stroke. You saw this, you know, his brother was in, you know, a wheelchair, you know, from a freak accident in gym class in high school. Yeah. You know, and so here this guy is, you know, probably got his family on 60 grand each. He's got a lot of mouths to feed. So he goes for the long-term contract. Now, I, do, I agree with you, you know, like the, the organization should have looked after him, you know, like said, okay, look, you know, but at the same time, Scottie Pippen, you don't, you don't do that. You know, you're a man of your word. You sign a long-term contract, you go for security, you get it, you play. Now, if you don't get what you want, that doesn't mean that, you know, oh, I don't get the last shot. So don't put me in. I'm not going to play. Um, I'm not going to play, you know, I want to position myself. He's still making $3 million a year. I mean, he, he still is. I mean, it, it's a crappy contract, but no one had a gun to his head when he did it. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it's, it's both sides didn't handle it well. Scotty didn't handle it well. Both sides. One thing I want to take away from the fact is that, and he, when you see him play in footage, that guy was unbelievable, man. Defensively, he, he had athletic ability. Like, the guy could do everything. He And he would be so perfect in today's game as well because he's a guy that can kind of do everything. He's like a, a cross between Kawhi and LeBron. And, man, and you can just you see his physique. Like, he's just ripped. Like, this guy was a total athlete, the perfect Robin to Jordan. Um, I mean, it's, it's just it's exciting to see that footage of, of Pippen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never seen him play in college. I never saw him at Central Arkansas, but you're right. He's six foot one. You know, he's the manager. They couldn't even get him a scholarship. He was the manager of that team. Comes back, he's six foot seven. You know, it's like his cousin said, they're like, oh, I, Scotty always said he was going to play in the NBA. And the guy was like, do you believe him? He was like, did you believe him? He was like, nah, <laughs> like hell no. <laughs> he comes back six, seven, still has the guard skills of when he was six foot one, but it wasn't just that he was, there are a lot of guys that are six, seven, but his wingspan must've been seven foot. He was just athletic and wiry. And I mean, 
he had a he had the perfect NBA. I mean, how about his confidence too? I always thought he was happy to be, you know, Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman. He, he, he came in and said, "I'm the best player on this team." He knew Michael Jordan. He saw him his rookie year. He was like, "But I'm the best player on the team." I was like, "Wow!" I didn't realize that he felt so strongly about that. And you know, for Michael Jordan to say, "You know, I am I'm not Michael Jordan." without Scottie Pippen. We don't win all those championships without Scottie. You know, when Scottie decides not to get his foot fixed until the midnight hour and he misses all those, he could have had it right after the season finished. You know, it showed they're 0-4 without Scottie. You know, they had to make some serious adjustments and really had to change their attitude because that's a major cog to be missing. So, you know, I'm the same. I'm watching this documentary and I was like, man, I know that I always had a lot of respect for Scottie, but clearly as I'm watching that everybody can talk about the best tandems that they've ever seen. That's number one right there. Number one, hands down, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. You can see his side of things because of how uh, he thought Jerry Krause wasn't looking after him. Right. And obviously he took that to another level and started abusing Jerry Krause. And, um, you know, I, I don't want this, I don't want to shit on Jerry Krause in any way because he done an incredible job putting that team together. But it's funny because all these guys were very single mindsets. Jerry Krause was all business. Yep, I'm going to put the best team together. And with that team, we're going to win championships. And when that, that team is just after, just about to go on its decline, bang, I'm reloading for the, you know, for the next generation type thing. And then you see Jordan's mentality of, yeah, like he wasn't really empathetic to Scotty. He was like, "Nah, Scotty did the wrong thing. He should have done this." Because it was like it's they, they all had single mindsets, but they could all bring it together to get those championships. It, it was just a it was a collective collective minds that were just so, super super strong, and just with that will to be winning all the time. And I think that's why the Bulls, as a collective, I think that's why they won. You know, as I watched the documentary, I'm thinking, I'm so surprised that they hung together, like because of all the things you just said, they had guys going in completely different directions. You got Dennis Rodman who stays out all night. You know, I heard some stories that Luke Longley, you know, expressed to us on, on our show, you know, that, you know, this guy could go out all night, could drink all night and do whatever, and then play with more energy than anybody on the court, you know, and had the respect that, you know what, if you're going to go out, that's fine, but you better, you know, you better bring the energy when you're playing against Carl Malone and, and Wood, um, Steve Kerr, you know, he had a determination. Um, Scottie Pippen, you know, felt like he was hard done by. It's like, it's like they got all the winners and it's like winners mentality and they got them all in that one basket. And then the person that kind of made it work was Phil Jackson. I mean, he was the perfect coach for these guys. Oh yeah. He's the perfect coach, but then Jerry Krause can't stand him. He's like, all right. They've won five championships, and this year is your last year. I don't care if you win 82 straight games. You're not going to be the coach next year. And I don't, That's what I don't understand because let's think about it. For, let's think about like a, go down a little wormhole. They could have probably won another. They could have gone pretty far the next year. Like Jordan could still play. And then, you know, you got coach. If they renegotiated, but it was, it was, it was like Jerry Krause – he needed to have – he had so many big egos. Jerry Krause, man, the guy just had – he had an almost bigger ego than Michael, ego than Michael Jordan's. It's, it, it, it seems weird to say, but it is. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, I think Steve Kerr brought it up. He said, look, he didn't want to take any credit away from Jerry Krause. He did a great job of building that dynasty Bulls team, but at the, he couldn't get it out of his own way. You know, the thing that he loved more than anything wasn't getting Michael Jordan. It was getting Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen because those guys were two guys that everyone wasn't after. You know, Michael Jordan was North Carolina. Everybody knew about him, but he loved getting that guy that nobody had heard about. So then his next big project was Tony Kukoc. He was like, people just didn't get European players back then. You know, here's Tony Kukoc. He was saying he was better than Michael Jordan. He's like 6'11". He's like 6'10", 6'11". And they call him the waiter because he just serves, he, he, you know, he dishes out the assists, all that type of stuff. He wanted to have, he loved being the guy that I found these guys when no one else could. He didn't really like a successful team. He liked building the successful team. But then once he had it, he didn't feel like he was getting the credit. He got the credit for putting the team together, but then it turned into Michael Jordan. It turned into Phil Jackson, the wonderful coach, and Scottie Pippen. You know, he's underpaid. The management doesn't look at him. He didn't like success. He liked building it. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. He liked building it, but he, it seemed like he was never actually happy with, with the end result, even with these championships, which is which is pretty crazy to fathom. But listen, that's just the first two episodes. Um, like, I, like, like we said, we could talk about it all day. Um, but listen, Steve, I'm just glad that we're able, you know, Inside Slam is back, and I'm glad that we can... We can do this. It's obviously taken a couple of weeks to kind of digest what's been happening in, in Australia. But thank God for The Last Dance. Thank God for Michael Jordan. Thank God for ESPN for putting this incredible documentary together because that was just 30, 40 minutes of us chatting and I could talk for another five hours on it. But, you know, now the, the, the LeBron Jordan, uh, the LeBron versus Jordan is going to come back. We can talk about, you know, Phil Jackson a little bit more next week and, you know they're going to bring in Dennis Rodman and Tony Kukoc and a few. I was, I think, I think uh, episode four is uh, Jordan going through the uh, the Pistons finally. So yeah, so much to talk about, Steve. But mate, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just glad that we can talk about it in a, in a safe environment like this and uh, get back on in. Oh yeah, I mean I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Obviously, I've got to change my attire, get some Air Jordan stuff on. But you know what I'm thinking? After you know, as we have this conversation and as I'm enjoying the documentary, The Last Dance, I hope there are film crews following around LeBron James because, oh my God, his career and Michael Jordan's career—you can be the best, the biggest Michael Jordan fan, you know, in the world. Which I think I'm probably up there. You know, I—he's I, my age, so I got to watch him turn into Michael Jordan, which is super exciting, and then watch him become, in my opinion, the greatest player that's ever lived. And I have had the opportunity to watch LeBron James in high school on TV, my brother going to watch him play in Vegas when he's 15 or 16 years old, saying, this guy, I'm going to say he's going to be just as good, if not better, than Michael Jordan. My brother, who never says anyone is good, was saying he's going to be this. I saw somebody's going to be better than Michael Jordan. I was like, "What?" You know. So I, I can't wait to see a documentary ten years down the track of him. Because I will argue, I love LeBron, but I'm, I'm saying Jordan all the way. But this is what guy. This is what we're going to talk about next week, guys. So I'm just glad that we're back on air. I hope everybody's really enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we're glad to be back. Um, make sure you fight. Uh, you're checking us out 
Inside Slam. We've been a bit slow in the last couple of weeks on our Insta and socials, but we're back. We're going to be uploading all sorts of fun, different stuff. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about um, different areas, different players. We're going to talk about you know the best player on certain teams. Steve, there's so much that we're going to do in the next few weeks, but stay well, my brother, and um, I will catch you in a week. All right. See ya.